Today's episode is brought to you by Triumph Equine Kinesiology Tape. Accessible, affordable, and made for all sticky situations. It's my favorite equine kinesiology tape, and I bet it'll be yours too. Available at triumphtape.com, and we'll also link it in the show notes. I'm Judith, and this is the Starline Equine Bodywork Podcast. This is a podcast about all of the things that I've learned and continue to learn in my career with horses. For the better part of a decade, I've been a full-time equine bodywork practitioner, educator, and author. My obsession? How horses really work. And how to get the most from our relationship with them in training and in sport. My passion? Helping horse owners, body workers, and aspiring body workers get going, unpack the latest science, research, and experiences behind what we do with horses to support their potential and optimize their performance. Do you know what makes me really nervous? And I have to be really honest about this. I feel really overwhelmed um, when I have to choose feed for a new horse that comes into my possession. I mean, you know, we have basically what we use in the barn and and I have a basic understanding of why we use it. Um, but I'm really, really grateful to have access to a wonderful nutritionist, uh, Jenna Beach from Master Feeds on our team of wellness providers. And Jenna's joining us today um, to help us understand how to read a feed label. So Jenna, welcome to the Starline Equine Bodywork Podcast. Thanks for having me back, Judith. We love having you here. You're just such a wealth of information. And I'm going to be really honest. I'm nervous about recording (laughs) this episode. You know those things um, that you feel like you should know in life, but you don't, and it feels (laughs) too embarrassing to ask? I think reading feed labels for me is that thing. I don't know if anyone else um, can relate to that. Um, So if I'm, I get a new horse in my possession, um, how do I even begin knowing what to feed this horse? So when you first get a horse, it can be an overwhelming thing, but you know, this is why feed specialists like myself are around and manufacturing companies to help guide you. So it doesn't have to be a daunting thing. The first thing when you get a new horse is really, you need to know what they've been on before. So what their forage was like, um, you know, what types of commercial feeds they were on, what supplements, because that's going to be your baseline, perhaps on the needs that they have. So if you get a horse in your possession that someone just says, well, he's just been on pasture for four months, you're going to know that this might be an easier keeper if the horse looks okay coming into your possession. They should still have a balancer to make sure that they're getting topped up on their needs. But if they're not doing much work, they're an easy keeper, then you kind of know that that's where you're going to go with your feed program. Um, if you get a horse that comes in and maybe, you know, the owner just says this is a hard keeper and they are on, you know, a high fat, high fiber feed, you're going to want to look for something similar because you don't want to change the calories too much. And I have seen this a lot where, you know, a horse will come from a very calorie dense diet. The owner just isn't really sure why they're feeding it, which is okay you know, where the barn is that they fed, but then they come to a barn where they're, they've got a whole bunch of easy keepers, their base feed is lower calories. And then the new owner or the new barn owner is wondering why this horse is losing weight. And so you just kind of have to do a comparison of what they're already feeding is step one, when they arrive at your farm. 
Okay. Now you and I have had conversations too about uh, gut biome. And so when a horse comes to you and they're already eating something, um, they, they have, uh, a, their gut has a certain way about it physiologically. Um, and how long should we be keeping them on basically the exact same food they were on and transitioning into our own personal feed program? Is there, um, is there a rule of thumb for that so that we don't upset the digestive system? And how long does it take for that digestive system to switch over? Each horse is unique in that scenario. So typically, feed changes do happen quite quickly in the microbiome. So if you were to do a sudden stop with one feed and a start with another, that's why that's not recommended because you could really upset that uh, that GI system. But also, this is a horse who's probably moved, has new friends, has a new environment. So there's a lot of stressors going on. So if you're a little unsure, it's always great to maybe get a week or so of what they were on before. And this includes hay. People kind of forget hay. So if you're able to secure, you know, a bale or two of hay and, you know, whether you pay the person or they bring it with them, that's always great too, because then there's some consistency for this horse as you're going to change their microbiome coming up too. So rule of thumb, we always go with about a week when you're changing over feed. So, you know, do half and half or do, uh, you know, a quarter of the new feed three quarters of the old feed for a couple days and then half and half for a few more days and then a quarter of the old feed, three quarters of the new feed, and then you can transition right into the um, new feed plan that they're on. Each horse is different. Yeah, I think what you said there is really interesting too about the hay because um, when I grew up, Mm -hmm. we were always told to be really, really careful about altering the pelleted feed or the grain meal or whatever you want to call it um, and to be really slow in that transition. But it's my understanding the literature is showing that horses can be just as sensitive with their hay as yeah, they are that you can do just as much upsetting of the GI system um, by dumping new hay in as you can with your commercial feeds. Yes, absolutely. You're totally right. And the same goes, you know, this is why we get that pasture to hay transition that gets a little rough for their system, too. So essentially, it can be the same thing. You can have two hays from even the same field, two different cuts that have a pretty drastically different nutritional profile. So it would be similar if not the same as would you be going from grain to grain. So it's always good to mix that if you can, because I think it's this forgotten thing that you can just move on to the next cut of hay or something different, different field, different distributor, and it's going to be okay. But that, again, that's the bulk of the diet. And it can do just as much upsetting as you're saying as the grain can. So, you know, where wherever possible, it's always great to try to take, you know, a couple bales. And this goes for people who compete in Florida. You know, a lot of the time they will bring a whole bunch of their hay down there before they can transition down because it's going to be different. And they'll bring their own feed down there as well. And it's just sort of those preparations because a stressful time for a horse moving from farm to farm, you don't want to make it worse by kind of quickly changing over their uh, feed. And, right. and, and that forage or feed. It would basically be adding insult to injury, right? That it's just too yeah, much yeah. for the system and it would be overload. Yeah. So um, when I when I pick up my, my feed, my commercial feed, and I look at the label, what are the different mm-hmm. things we're going to be looking at and looking for? So in Canadian feed labels, the main things that you're going to see, you're going to see the list of the protein, fat, and fiber, Um, You're going to see the calcium and phosphorus, as well as sodium and your vitamins A, D, and E. 
So the core information that most people should just have an awareness of, or it gives you an idea of what the feed is. So say the feed name doesn't have anything that reveals what it is. So it's not a development, a maternity, it's not a performance in the name. It just says 12% complete. Mm -hmm. Um, The protein, fat, and fiber are the real big values that are going to give you an indication of what type of feed it's meant for. So your protein level, if you're at a 10 to 12%, that's kind of a maintenance type. Um, 10% for sure would be a maintenance type horse, not competing, not really doing much of anything, maybe a retire, easy keeping retiree. Um, 12% is where we start our uh, performance horse line. Um, so it's going to be sort of that moderate 12% protein. And when you see the elevated protein, so 14, 15, 16 Um, Those are going to be for your harder working horses. So those are going to be your growth and development horses, your pregnant and lactating mares, because those mares actually have requirements similar to a racehorse. Yeah, (laughs) they're going to need more. Yeah, they're going to need more protein for good lactation. And you're also going to see senior feeds quite often have that 14, because as we know, our lovely, lovely golden oldies start to kind of lose some muscle mass. So that elevated protein kind of helps them keep that a bit longer. So if you're seeing on your tag, your protein, if it's a 10 to 12, it's going to be, you know, a maintenance to performance horse. And if it starts getting 14 or above, then you're going to see, okay, this is for our growing horses or our senior horses in the middle is going to be that 12%. And so protein is the building block of muscles, right? So that's what we're maintaining. Okay. Yes. And that's, that's why you're seeing that a little bit higher in those ones that need it. So growing horses, they need a bit more protein and a good quality protein in order to grow properly and to develop that bone structure that they need in those ligaments and all that type of stuff, the mares. And that's why development feeds are often coupled together for growth and development is because mares have those really high requirements during lactation. (laughs) So they're going to need a little bit more in through their milk to deliver to their full. Okay. And then seniors, of course, need that. So yeah, when you're seeing that elevated protein, they need those building blocks to keep or maintain muscle and structure. And that's where that higher protein is. Okay. So let's go to fat. Mm-hmm. What um, mm-hmm. what does the fat do to the horse? So if you know the protein is the building block for muscle, what is the fat? Fat is energy and it's this cool energy for horses. And this is why fat has become popular. And you'll see a lot of those fat and fiber feeds because fat is a very safe energy source. So, and it also puts puts weight on horses without kind of increasing the quantity of feed going in there. So the higher the fat, the more energy calories it's going to provide, but also the more conditions. So if you've got a harder keeping horse, you're going to want kind of a higher fat. So you don't have to feed more quantity. You're condensing the calories. So typically if you're looking for, if you've got an easy keeper or you don't want much added fat at all, you're kind of just giving like a basic, basic ration. Once again, to those, you know, for whatever reason, if your horse is on layoff or just not working or in your backyard, you're going to look for a very basic, like 3% fat because those horses don't need calories, right? We don't need them. You know, they're not expending any calories. They don't need calories. We don't want them getting overweight. So it'd be like a 3% quite low. Um, You start getting into moderate fat. So a fat and fiber when it becomes that five to 6% fat. So now we're increasing the fat in the diet to give more calories without increasing the quantity we're giving them. So when you see five, five to six is what we'd have moderate. And then you have your high fat. So these are ones that you're going to look at that tag and you're going to see an 8%, sometimes all the way up to a 12%. So these are 
very hardworking horses. These are very hard keepers, horses that are transported a lot or have a lot of stress. And it's a way to condense, give energy, give calories without too much starch in the diet. That's brilliant. So, and when you say cool energy, um, I know what you mean. Um, and as a rider, I think riders, uh, mm-hmm. appreciate that. Um, <laughs> but can you define cool energy as opposed to, you know, a, a different energy style? Yeah. So horses can get energy in three ways, essentially. So they can get them from sugars and starches and grains. And that's sort of like a fast twitch type energy. It's delivered quickly. It's not stored as much as uh, fat calories are. Whereas fat calories, you're not going to have a lot of that fast burn. So this is where you'll see, you know, fat and fiber comes in handy for dressage horses, like you said, anyone who's being ridden for the most part. Whereas the starchy energy, that quick burn, you're going to want to see that in barrel horses. You're going to race horses need it because, or else they'll get drained of energy. So that's submaximal type energy. It's perfect for those cool energies because they're slower releasing and they're stored in the horse. So, and they don't feel as fizzy when you ride them. I always say, yeah, um, like yeah. if you shook up a pop can and you know, it felt like it was going to explode at any moment. You know, there's such a thing. They can be too fizzy. And that's, I like the cool energy feeds because it gets rid of that fizzy feeling, but you still get the energy that you need to perform, um, you know, at the higher levels without it being completely bonkers, right? Exactly. And that's why fat, like, you know, the introduction of fat into horse feeds has been wonderful because not only does it kind of take off that edge or like you said, that fizziness, that anytime there might be an explosion, then it, but it also is a safe way to provide calories. Whereas we know too much starch in the diet can have some gastrointestinal upset with too much starch and then high gut acidosis. So it's really been too beneficial in two ways, having fat in that diet, as opposed to, you know, historically when it's just been like, okay, oats and here we go. Hold on for dear life. Yeah, right. right. Hold on for dear life. That's that's a true story spoken like a woman who's ridden a horse <laughs> that ate a lot of oats. Yeah. Um, so Absolutely. Uh, next on the label, you said, was it phosphorus and calcium? What does that do? Well, fiber first. So fiber is going to be the last one. As okay. we know, I mean, I'm sure everybody, you know, most people do. Fiber is what our horse's guts love. So you want to have something that's like a 17% or higher in fiber. And most pellets do accomplish that because they have like like soy hulls and different fibrous materials in there, beet pulps. Um, It's usually just the textured feeds that, again, would kind of not have that high of fiber because they are whole grains typically. So fiber, 17 over. But as again, you just want to make sure most fat and fibers will be over that anyway because they're trying to provide calories in fat and in this super digestible fiber, which the horse's gut loves. So happy gut. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So uh, next on the label, calcium and phosphorus. So this one, the percentages are always quite rounded when it comes to commercial feeds. So, you know, you might see the 1% to the 0.65%. The percentages are always going to be rounded. So you can rest easy knowing that. What you want to always see, and sometimes I have run into minerals or feeds that aren't this way, is you just want to see that there is, in fact, more calcium to phosphorus in there. Um, so it'll typically be a 1 to 1.1 or or more, or a 2 to 1 ratio you want to see. Just because phosphorus does have the ability to inhibit um, the absorption of calcium in the diet. Okay. So if you know, for a normal maintenance horse, this could be okay. They can be all right. If there's, you know, too much phosphorus versus calcium, it's never ideal, but they're a mature horse. Um, 
for growing horses, particularly, you want to make sure that they have enough calcium so they don't run into any developmental issues. So there's that's the sort of class that you're kind of worried about when it comes to, okay, the calcium says one, but so does phosphorus. So those are even. So you would have to then take a look at your hay to make sure there's not more phosphorus there, or maybe, you know, alfalfa has more calcium and you're okay, or just work around getting that more balanced with the mineral. And the calcium has effects also on um, gut health as well, is my understanding. Yes. Yeah, which is why the alfalfa, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. That has more calcium in it. Yep. Okay. So the vitamin breakdown, vitamin breakdown, this... um, I'm not even good at this being a human for humans. So um, this one, this I find really overwhelming. What vitamins do we need to be concentrating on with our hay-fed horses? We always need to make sure A, D, E are the three that horses need. They also need um, K as well. But the problem when it comes to hay, as soon as you've cut it, they really does start reducing these levels of vitamins And these are for eye health, for respiratory health, for just an overall function of your horse. So, you know, in fresh pasture, they're quite prevalent. You can go, you know, many months when they've got these vitamins all stored up in there and they're going to be totally healthy. But when it comes to the cut hay and how many months of the year that we need to rely on that, you cut that and it goes out to dry and a majority of the vitamins are are gone with it. So you just need to make sure that you have a top up. And again, it's when you go with a commercial feed, instead of trying to sort of pick and choose what you're doing or just giving a vitamin E or just giving a vitamin D, they're all well-rounded to make sure that it's the daily requirement of certain classes of horses. So your maintenance horse, your hardworking horse, your by weight, you know, so you don't, you can make sure that it's going to be okay in that sense. I think we have a tendency to pick and choose, but really it's that well-rounded ration I've talked about before. Same with the minerals is that, okay, the NRC says that we should have, you know, this 10,000 is the mark. So let's make sure that this feed is at that rate, because we know we can assume that when hit, once hay is cut, it's going to lose a majority of that. Okay. So essentially what you're saying is most major feed companies have done a lot of the thinking for us. So it's just, um, they've done the research, they've put together feeds that satisfy the needs of a huge number of classes of horses. Mm -hmm. So it's about identifying the needs of your horse with your nutrition specialist Mm -hmm. um, and with your veterinarian and, um, and then being able to make your purchases based on that. Is that, would you say that's a, a fair statement? Absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of that is your protein, fat and fiber, because like I'm saying, most companies, they do formulate based on what we know in horse nutrition. And your horse is going to be okay if you're a little bit unbalanced here or there, because, you know, if you think, you know, years past, like with the oats, right? I mean, I still talk to people many, many, many years in the industry you say, oh, well, I just used to feed oats and molasses (laughs) and their horses were fine, but we are using them a little bit different. And, you know, just that better care, that more knowledge that we can now put in. And instead of picking and choosing and hoping for the best, you can identify what you need from protein, fat and fiber. And then you can definitely trust that there's going to be a feed specialist and a company that has a feed that is well-rounded already and will take care of the needs of any horse on your farm. So I think, you know, that overanalyzing that we tend to get into is really just as simple as identifying calling up someone like myself and saying, I have a three-year-old warm blood. She's, you know, she could probably use a hundred pounds. She's 
going, she's in the trailer every weekend, you know, she's hot. How, what should I feed her? And you're going to know you're going to get a well-rounded ration. I love that you are here to support us and help us through understanding the feed labels. Is there anything else we should know about labels and um, how to interpret them? Or do you think we've, we've got it all covered? I I feel better. Yeah. Those are the basic ones that protein fat fiber. You can just identify what your horse needs. There's many people that you can reach out to, to just say, okay, here's the basics on my horse. Here's the problem I think I have what can I do? And instead of picking and choosing different supplements or different ingredients, you can trust that, you know, a majority of the feed companies out there do have these formulas based on what we know in science. And it's going to be a well-rounded ration and it's based on being typically with hay and, you know, whether, and then it's usually just your decision, whether you want a textured a pellet or a cube and, you know, what form you want it in. So if someone wanted to reach out and ask you what they should feed, how could they reach you, Jenna? Uh, they can reach us by email at our uh, e- at our uh, happyhorses at masterfeeds.com email. I actually moderate that one and I'll send send inquiries to different colleagues in the province if need be, if someone wanted a farm visit, for, um, for example. Um, and also on our social media pages, we have an Instagram and a Facebook page dedicated just to the horse feed side of it. Oh, I love that. And we will link all of that information in the show notes. Jenna Beach of Master Feeds. Thank you so much for being here. You take all of the guesswork out of the building blocks of our program with our performance horses by providing the very best nutrition to them. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Judith. Thanks for having me. Equine kinesiology tape increases the efficiency of your horse's body so that together you can strive for your goals. In the working horse, tape supports joints with long-term soundness in mind. It addresses fascial issues, lymphatic and circulation issues, and assists muscles, tendons, and ligaments. It can also be used in injury rehabilitation programs for faster and safer recovery so that your horse can feel like himself again. Tape is an affordable and accessible tool that, with a little know-how, can revolutionize your training and rehabilitation programs. Stuck Up is a course designed to give you the confidence and skills to add kinesiology taping to your toolbox, whether you're a horse owner or a professional body worker. Join Stuck Up and train like a professional, think like a body worker. Enroll at stuckupcourse.com.